I've got a song. I've got a song and I sing it loud. Praise is coming out. Praise is coming out. And I will dance in your kingdom now. You have brought me out. You have brought me out. I've got a song. I've got a song and I sing it now. Praise is coming out. Praise is coming out. And I will dance in your kingdom now. You have brought me out. You have brought me out. Blessed.
Did it make you whole? Did it wash you? Transform you? Did it redeem you? Did it cleanse you? Did it set you free? Give you a big Yes. Yes. Yes, yes. 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 Will you give him worship? Will you give him praise? Will you lift him up?
before time began. You are on your throne. You are God alone. And right now, through the good times and bad, you are on your throne. You are God alone. You are God. You are God alone from before time began. You are on your throne. You are God alone. And right now, through the good times and bad, you are on your throne. You are God alone. Say that with us. You are God. You are God alone from before time began. You are on your throne. You are God alone. And right now, through the good times and bad, you are on your throne. You are God alone. Unshakable. Can we declare that unstoppable? Unstoppable. That's what you are. Unchangeable. Unshakable. Unstoppable. That's what you are. You are God. You are God alone from before time began. You are on your throne. You are God alone. And right now, in the good times and bad, you are on your throne. You are God. Clap your hands and give God praise in the building. There is power, power, wonder-working power in us. Can you sing that with me in unison? Of the Lamb, there is power, power. Wonder working power. 
How many of you know that there's power in the blood of the Lamb? Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but my heart is full. Where, where you are in your own way, can you just lift up the name of Jesus, begin to worship him before the word goes forth. God, we thank you. We bless you. We lift your name on high, Lord God. You are worthy. You are awesome and you are mighty. And God, we praise you from every fiber of our being, God. Speak your servants. Listen today. Lord, give the word today. We want to hear a word from you, God. Not from man, but from your spirit. Speak to our hearts. Burn our hearts. Challenge us. Push us, God, to be closer to you. Give us, God, your direction and your truth. Guide us by your word. Your word is truth. Lord, if there be anything in this congregation right now that needs to be done, if somebody needs a supernatural healing, we pray for that in the name of Jesus. If somebody needs peace in their heart, we pray for that in the name of Jesus, God. Remove anything or any interference, God, that will keep them from hearing what the Spirit is saying to the church. We believe it and we receive it in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Somebody give God a hand clap of praise. If you don't mind, also for our online audience, can you give a hand clap and welcome them for wherever they are all over the world, those who choose to join with us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I'm glad to be here. David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus just to take him at his word just to rest upon his promise. Y'all remember that? Just to know the saith the Lord. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust you. How I Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust you more. I'm so glad I've learned to trust you. Precious Jesus, precious friend, and I know that you'll be with me, you'll be God some praise. 
there is a word today from the book of Matthew in our sermon series. We're in a sermon series. And what is that series, guys? Do you remember? How to be what? Happy. How to true to be biblically happy. Not a happiness that the world gives, but a happiness that God gives. A peace that passes all understanding. And we'll have one word of scripture today. Starting at Matthew chapter 5, verse 5. Matthew chapter 5, verse 5. If you could read it with me. It says what? Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. From that scripture, other related scriptures, and aid of the Holy Spirit, we want to talk to you today from a simple topic. Inherit the earth. Inherit the earth. You may be seated. Speak your servants. Listen, God. And we'll be careful to give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to start by thanking you guys again for the warm welcome. It's hard to believe it's been three years. God has moved and done some wonderful things in three years. We've done a lot of ministry. The church looks nothing the same as it did when we came. And, and God is moving and we're adding people and God is moving and adding as he sees fit. And we're grateful for that. Uh, today there is a word in the book of Matthew chapter 5. We're talking about how to be happy. And the reason we're talking about how to be happy is because Jesus is giving his famous sermon on the mount. Which many believe uh, are a series of sermons that he is given sitting on the mountainside. And Jesus uses a Greek word uh, called makarioi or makarios which means happy. Happy, blessed are you. We use it in our language as blessed. But what it means is that... That you are supremely blessed, totally satisfied, not lacking anything. And he begins to tell you about different things. And uh, two weeks ago, we talked about blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are you who are completely and totally dependent on God. And I like the way Jesus gives his sermons because his sermons tend to go countercultural. Jesus begins to show us how things work in the world. And then he begins to tell us how things work in the kingdom. And we will find that the things in the kingdom of God work much differently than the systems of the world. And what Jesus is doing is bringing a revolutionary message of the time. And believe it or not, it is still a revolutionary message because of the sin nature in man and because of the things that are in us. We tend to, across uh, our lifespans and across the matriculation of history, we begin to drift some away from God. But God lets us know. He always gives us the straight edge of scripture to let us know where his word is. That's why I like when the word of God says, lead me in your word. Your word is truth. Everybody say your word is truth. In a day where people have relativism and truth is relative to them and you can be what you want to be. It just depends on what you think. It's good to know that in a topsy-turvy, bizarro land that we have a place that we can go that is a constitution, that is a foundation to help us know how to guide our way. That we still know what is right. We still know what is wrong. We know how to live godly. We know how to do the thing God required of us because he has left this living, breathing document with us called the word of God. God has left his word for us. And as he begins to give us his, his word, he talks about to us, blessed are the poor in spirit. He lets us know that theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's good news. Why? Because if you're completely and totally dependent on God, you don't have to wait to be in the kingdom. You can be in the kingdom today. If you don't know Jesus today, you can be saved right now. And the blood of Jesus will wash you. It reaches to the high 
highest mountains and it flows to the lowest valleys. No matter where you've been and what you've done or what situation you've been in, there is not a situation that is too tough for the blood of Jesus. His blood can redeem you. His blood can wash you. Just like he told the thief, today you'll be with me in paradise. If you'll take Jesus as your Lord, today you will be with him in the kingdom because the kingdom is not a geographical location. The kingdom doesn't have natural boundaries and borders. The kingdom doesn't have guards on it. But the Bible said that the kingdom cannot be seen with human eyes because the kingdom of God lives in the hearts of man. The kingdom of God lives all over the world. And as he says, blessed are they who are who, who thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. We're going to get into that in a couple of weeks. Jesus is letting you know, if you seek what I want you to seek, happiness, real, true happiness. See, the world's happiness depends on happenings. In other words, when things are happening that I like, I'm happy. And when things are not happening that I'm not like, I am not happy. So my happy, happiness depends on happenings or happen it stands but Jesus wants to give you an equilibrium everybody say equilibrium what is equilibrium? Equilibrium means that you are centered no matter how the world goes from left to right, that you are centered. You may not have money in your pocket, but you can still be happy. You might have a bad report from the doctor, but you can still be happy. You might not have everything that you want in your life, but you can still be happy because you're not centered on how big your bank account is. You're not centered on how big your friend list is or your subscribers or your followers. You're not centered on how many people call you in the week to check on you but my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus blood and righteousness I dare not trust the sweetest frame but wholly lean on Jesus name on Christ the solid rock I stand all other ground is sick and sand is there anybody that's so glad that you have Christ to depend on some people are dependent on the stock market. Some people are worried about a recession. But I'm not standing on the Dow Jones. I'm standing on the word of God. And it is the word of God that uplifts me and keeps me strong. He is giving us the big idea today. He begins to give them a word. And every time he gives this sermon, it sounds a little challenging to the mindset of the people of which he's speaking, which is good. We need more challenging sermons in today's world. We've had enough sermons of things that make us feel good, but don't challenge us to be better. God is calling us to be challenged, to move up higher so that we can be in the image and the likeness of his son and we will shine forth. And as we live and lift up Christ, he says that if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me and he's talking to a group of Jews that are right now under the oppression of Rome the government is on their head poverty is stricken everywhere everywhere you look even their in even their friends that they used to call friends have turned to become publicans or tax collectors and they betray their own people by not only collecting taxes for Rome but collecting extra extortion money the IRS was corrupt in Jesus 
Jesus' day. Imagine that. They were stealing from people, and Jesus looks at them, these people who are looking, and they have a group of people called the Zealots, and the Zealots are people who are looking for a kingdom that will raise up and overthrow Rome. So they are not just looking for a heavenly Messiah. They are looking for an earthly king that will turn the world on his head. They are saying, if only we could elect the right Messiah. If only we could elect the right president or the right people in Congress or the right people in the Supreme Court, we would have enough power to change our lives. They are looking for worldly power to be able to change the things that they want changed. Why? Because it seems to them that the wicked are getting ahead. It seems to them that the dishonest are the people who are getting gain. It's seeming that the world is, is going to win in the short term. And they would rather fight. They want a king to help them overthrow Rome. They are looking for Jesus as a king. And here it is that when Jesus comes, he says, blessed are the meek. Now, for those of us who don't understand Elizabethan English from the 1611 King James Version, Jesus is simply saying, blessed are the humble. They're looking for a king to overthrow. And here it is, rather than say fight, he is saying, blessed are the humble and the submissive, for they shall inherit the earth. Wait a minute, Jesus, I, I have a problem because every time I look around for land, I don't own it. I'm paying Rome for this land. It looks like Rome is inheriting the earth. It looks like the Pharisees and the Sadducees have expensive frescoes on their walls and on their floor. It looks like they're inheriting the earth and I don't have anything left to inherit at the at the first close of what you're saying Jesus I don't like this sermon why because it seems like I'm gonna inherit something but from what I see right now it looks like I'm losing can you be honest today? Have you ever looked up and you seem to think that the rich are getting richer and the poor are getting poor and people are getting better? But for some reason, when you go to the grocery store, you have to stop to think about what you get now because what was $2 was $4 and what was $6 is $12 and what was $9 is $18 and what is $20? We coming back for that next week because you don't have enough money to get it. And it seems like the people at the top seem to be getting richer and richer and wealthier and wealthier and there seems no relief and it brings you frustration it makes you want to scream it makes you angry when you look at people getting ahead you want to take control you want to tell those people to turn down all their extra money and all the lobbying money that they get why don't you for one time take care of the people in this country but that is not what Jesus tells you to do he says blessed are the meek for they shall have inhabit the earth the lifestyle of the wicked is attractive. They, we seek their fame. We seek their influence. We have an, a, a culture that is dedicated to the TMZ world. Those who follow celebrities and try to find out what's going on in their life. Even in this country, we fought to be free from England. But yet every time something happens in the royal family, everybody is stricken and they're smitten. Why? Because we love to vicariously live our lives and fantasies 
through the lives of other people. We look at their wealth and pretend that that could be us. We look at their influence and their fortune and pretend that that can be us. But however, we don't see the broader picture. And I want you to know that you are not by yourself because David says, when I looked at the prosperity of the wicked, my foot almost slipped. When I saw I worked 40 hours a week and I could barely make ends meet and this joker is sitting on the street corner selling illegal substances, I said, why am I doing the right thing when he's getting away doing the wrong thing? Why is it that I get a speeding ticket for going 50 miles an hour and the speed limit said 49 and I've got insurance and I've got tag and now I've got a $300 ticket and this joker rides right by me, has no tag, has no insurance, he's just going and he seems to never get caught. Why God? Is it that the wicked seem to get ahead and I have to pay the price? It makes you frustrated. It makes you want to fight. And in our culture, we're taught to fight back. We're taught to be aggressive. Our culture rewards ambition and assertiveness. It does not reward humbleness and meekness. It says pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. Live the American dream. I don't need nobody to give me anything. Open up the door and I get it myself. And we have the word in our culture of a made man or a self-made man. I culture actually chagrins at people who are humble and some people we call them passive but Jesus is saying those are the people you need to pay attention to not the aggressive not the assertive because we although we are programmed to conquer everything is made into domination with us it's us against them our party versus their party. Our class against their class. Our world against their world. In a world that seeks to gain all the fame and the likes and the subscribers, Jesus today says enough. I am offering you a different way. Jesus is telling us to seek alignment over ambition. What do you mean, preacher? Align with God rather than being ambitious. Because the only place I find the word in the Bible, ambitious, it has another word describing it an adjective or an adverb an adjective rather selfish ambition in other words worried about getting ahead worried about being ahead of the next person it comes in selfish ambition but I've come to tell you you don't need ambition you need alignment because if you get aligned with God God will take care of everything you need to give prove it to me preacher Matthew 6 and 33 and seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his right and all these other things will be added on to you. We spend all our time trying to get ahead, trying to be the man or the woman, trying to have the bigger house or the bigger bank account. And we waste our precious life trying to get stuff that doesn't really matter, that won't matter on our deathbed. And Jesus is slowly whispering in our ear, baby, what you need is alignment, not ambition. Because if you get it on your own, you have to keep it on your own. But if I give it, no man can take it away from you. <laughs> T. 
Today we hear Jesus beginning his sermon on the mount. And like any good preacher, Jesus is not just coming off the hip, but Jesus is giving a scripture from the scripture. Jesus is the word and he is quoting from the word. When I was young, I would hear that and it would say, blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. And I really didn't quite understand that. But the people who were sitting around Jesus would have known what Jesus was saying because Jesus was quoting scripture. He was just like preachers of the day in a way. He wasn't just giving you something off the cuff. He was giving them scripture because in Psalms chapter 37, we've read a lot in those scriptures and we have some very familiar, familiar passages. And this is what it says. Pull up Psalms chapter 37. We're going to read some of that so we can look in context of what Jesus is saying. So what he's saying to them, it will say to you, these are those scriptures that Jesus is pulling from. What does the 37 and 1 say? Let's read it together. What does it say? Fret not yourself because of evildoers, neither be envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. What he is saying is, it looks like they're getting ahead it looks like they're winning because their car is bigger than yours it looks like they're winning because you only have five subscribers and they have five million but if their heart isn't on the right thing it's going to be short-lived <laughs> david said when i looked at the prosperity of the wicked my foot almost slipped and then i, I messed up brother ernie and i went to church <laughs> When I went to church and I got in the sanctuary of God, God began to reveal to me the bigger picture. Because sometimes we can't see the forest for the trees. We're so locked in to our present situation that we lose sight of the bigger picture. And David says, I realized something that when I went to church, although it seems like they win for a short time, in the long run, if they don't take care of their soul, they're going to be losers for eternity. So he says in the psalm, fret not thyself because of evildoers, <laughs> neither be thy envious of the workers of the iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass. Let's read 3 through 10. Psalms 37, 3 to 10. I want you to read this with me to get it in the context so we can give some, some context to Jesus' sermon. It says what? Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord. Get a line. And he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord. Wait a minute. That doesn't sound like our culture, and our culture is like this. It's a microwave society. We got to make it happen, and I have to catch myself because I'm becoming acclimated to Detroit driving, and Detroit driving is not very Christian-like driving, but if you don't, you'll get run over. I come from the south where we wave and we honk, but up here they wave and they honk, but it's a different wave, and it's a different honk. It's a different way that they do things. Everybody's in a hurry, and everybody's in a hurry to go nowhere, and we get caught up in the culture, and we become overly aggressive always headed in a rush to go nowhere 
always rushing, always aggressive, never stopping to enjoy the life that God gave you. And then all of a sudden, you worked 40 years just to retire. I'm a retirement counselor and a financial advisor. I watch people and sometimes they work their entire years and how disconcerting it is sometimes to see somebody work 40 years, get a pension and die in a year after they retire. Why? They worked all their years trying to get something and were worried about that money, realizing that they should have stopped and enjoyed life and now life is gone. There are more important things in life than money. There are more important things in life than status. <laughs> this scripture is giving us context to what Jesus is saying. Let's, let, I love what, what 7 says. It says, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. What have you been praying to God for and you're tired of waiting? And if you'll be honest, you're about to go kick the door in yourself. You can't wait for God to provide the job. You feel like, God, this is what I want to do. So I'm going to kick this door open whether you open it or not. And I'm going in this door. I've been turned down enough. You've been tired of being turned down for that relationship. You're tired of being single while everybody else has somebody on their arm. You're going to kick the door down and you're not going to wait for what God sends you. You're going to make it happen yourself. Yourself, but when you make it happen yourself, it's not aligned with what God wants and you are headed for disaster. What you need to do is be still. <laughs> the Bible says, be still and know that I am God. We don't like that. Why? Because it takes away what we love, control. We love control. We love to be driving the car. I don't like one of the features on my car. You know why I don't like it? Because every now and then if I hit a white spot, it'll start doing this and it takes control of my vehicle and I'll cut it off because I don't like to be trying to drive where I want to drive and the car is trying to tell me to drive somewhere else. But before you laugh at me, how many times have God directed you somewhere and you jerked the steering wheel out of his hand? How many times has God been leading you one way, but it didn't afford the money you wanted or the prestige you wanted? It wasn't the opportunity that you thought you wanted. So you jerked the steering wheel out of his hand and you said, I am the captain of my own life. And he ceased to be the Lord of your life. That word Lord in Greek is kurios. It means controller. It means an undergirding. He gives you strength. He is controlling your life. Many of us have this sickness where we want Jesus to be our Savior. But we refuse to let him be our Lord. Save my soul, but don't tell me what to do with my life. Save my soul, but don't tell me what to do with my money. Save my soul, but don't tell me to forsake not to assemble. I come to church when I want to come to church. Save my soul, but don't tell me to love my enemies. I've gone quite fond of hating my enemies. I'm pretty good at it. Save my soul, but don't tell me what to But he says, be still before the Lord and wait patiently. The word patiently means with hopeful expectation for him. Wait on the Lord. Somebody's in danger of moving too fast because you can't let God take control. You have to be in control of everything. We have control freaks. How many can admit you got a little bit of control freaking you? 
Married couples can, can, I can tell how many married couples have control freaks in them. You know why? Turn the radio on and watch what happens. It's too loud. It's too soft. I like this. I like that. My channel or this channel. Why? Because we have some control freak in us. What are we going to eat? I want to go here. I don't like that. Well, I'm going here. No, I'm not going to be there. I'm not going to be happy. You have to do it this way. You have to fold the clothes or do this this way. Why? Because we like control. Amen. We like control, but David says, be still before the Lord. Wait patiently on him. Fret not yourselves over the one. You can pull up verse 7. We're about to roll. Y'all can read with me. Fret not yourselves, verse 7, over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Don't get upset when you see the wicked getting away. He says what? Fret not yourself. It tends only evil for evildoers shall be cut off but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. They shall inherit the earth. Jesus is telling us something. In just a little while, the wicked will be no more. Look, though you carefully look at this place, he will not be here. Jesus is telling them, stop using a worldly perspective and begin to use a heavenly perspective. Stop trying to compete and compare with the world. You will always be frustrated. There will always be somebody with more influence than you. There will always be somebody with more likes and shares and followers than you. There will always be somebody with more money than you. There will always be somebody with a bigger house than you. But so what? I don't want anything of what God has for you. I only want the things that he has for me. Psalms 37 and 11 says this, but the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. Let's read that again. Let's read it together. But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. The wicked plots against the righteousness and gnashes his teeth in it. The wicked is upset because every time I try to get ahead, you know those type of people. They get a new car and they can't even go home before they get it because they got to rub it in everybody's face. They got a new car. And how irritating is it to them when they, you walk up to them and they say, look at my brand new shiny car. And you say, that's great. My car got 400,000 miles on it. It's really dependable. And I love my car. And now they're upset because they bought this brand new shiny thing. And you say, shiny things don't matter to me. Because the meek shall inherit the earth. When we are meek, when we allow God to take control, because meekness means humility, and humility means simply to take the control in which you have and submit that control to someone else. We call that at one time Christianity, but since everybody and anything wants to call them a Christian nowadays, I call that following Jesus. Because now there's a difference between Western Christianity and following Jesus. Everybody is following, is, is calling themselves a Christian, but there are very few of them that are really following Jesus. 
Our prosperity is to fight fire. That's our propensity. But God is saying fight fire with water. What does water indicative of in the Bible? The Holy Spirit. In other words, let me fight your battles. Let me work it out for you. We spend too much time worried about competing with other success rather than being more like God. And when we submit to God, we don't have to try to make it happen. We can trust God and watch it happen because true strength is found in loving and knowing God. That's what true strength is. True strength is seen in serving God. Most of us who are men in the room, we don't like that word meek because we we actually look at meek as effeminate. Let's read that together. They put that up there. Thank you, God. When we submit to God, we don't have to try to make it happen. We can trust God and watch it happen. You can have all the witty ideas you want and work yourself to death. But one word from God can change your life. Peter, where's your taxes? Jesus, where's our taxes? We don't have enough time to make more money. They fixing to take me and lock me up. Jesus, don't worry about that. I got one word for you. You like the fish, don't you? Yeah, Lord. Go find the first fish you see and look in his mouth. One word from God can change your life. That's why it's important that we get all the junk out of our life. It's wonderful to be saved, but why do we want to get inside of all the sin? Lay aside every weight and sin that so easily besets us. Because when we allow sin and junk into our life, although our soul may be saved, it messes up our communication line with God because we have too much junk that's getting in the way of the sin. I don't want junk in my life. Why? Because people, are, the pastor's going to ask me, did I come to church? No, I don't want junk in my life because life is too precious for me to make bad decisions. And I want to have a clear, open heart so when God gives me instruction, I have an ear to hear. <coughs> my friends are great. I got great friends. Most of my friends are pastors or entrepreneurs. That's wonderful. I go to them for counsel and advice. The Bible says a godly man seeks wise counsel. I listen to what they say, but there's a time when I shut the phone off and I get by myself on my knees, sometimes at this altar, when there's nobody there because I don't need to hear from my wife. I don't need to hear from my friends. If I'm going to make a decision that's going to change my life, I need to hear from God. If I'm going to know how to raise my kids right, I need to hear from God. If I'm going to know how to love my wife the way Christ loved the church, I need to hear from God. Counselors are good, but I need to hear from God. Meekness makes us trust in God's strength and not our own. Meekness says that when God takes the will and, and, and we try to take the will ourselves, God does that. We say, okay, God, you can have it. That hurt. That really did hurt because this ring is hard and I'm stronger than I thought I was. But at the end of the day, we move our hands away from the will. Meekness, a lot of times we look at meekness as weakness. And meekness and weakness are two different things. They are not the same thing. Because the Bible says in Numbers 12 and 3 that Moses, who led the children of Israel out of the bondage of Egypt. The Bible says now Moses was a man who was very meek more than all the people who were on the face of the earth. Moses wrote of himself that he was the most humble man there ever was. You'll catch that on the way home. 
Moses wrote numbers. <laughs> but he wrote of himself, inspired by the Spirit, that he was the most humble man there ever was. But he was one of the most powerful and influential men that there ever was. You know why? Because in our country, we live in the best country in the world right now, the most powerful country in the world. And on the top of our judicial branch, where we make laws to govern our world, guess who is sitting up there over 3,500 years later? Moses is sitting on the top of the Supreme Court building with the Ten Commandments on each side carved into the top of the trellis. Moses, but he was the most humble man the world had ever seen. Jesus was meek. Matthew eleven twenty nine 29 talks about the power of our Lord. It says, take my yoke. Let's read it together. It says, well, take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle. That's meekness and lowly in heart and you will find rest for The meek shall inherit their meekness is vastly different. It is a submitting of our will to the God's will. And you don't, you know when you know you're submitting? When you can feel your flesh rising up. <laughs> you know, it's easy to submit to things you like to do. But you know, real submittance is asking, taking place when God asks you to do something and you don't want to do it. And it's painful to do it. When God says, remember that person that said something about you on Facebook? Yeah. Yeah. The one you blocked? Yeah. The one you can't stand? Absolutely, Lord. I need you to get at the altar and pray for their well-being. Wait a minute, Jesus. You know the person that did you wrong? The person that you've been wanting to get back all that time? Yes. They're in need. I need you to go give them something. What? Submission is the submission. Until you can feel it. It's easy to submit to the things you like. But you know that you are submitting to God when it goes against the grain. Because you are putting your flesh, as Paul said, to death. I am crucified with Christ. It is no longer I, but him. I am crucifying my flesh. And the thing I want to do, I put on the back burner. Because I realize following Christ is more important than following my feelings. Following Christ is more important than not healing from the hurt of somebody that's done me wrong. Following Christ is more important than being vitriolic to people. I was walking yesterday. I went and got some coffee while Robin and the girls were gone and they, they, they were getting their hair done. It was all nice and pretty and I sat at the coffee shop and I saw this gentleman and he was doing something and he was waiting to get a petition and I was watching him. I was trying to see how many people he was going to get, what type of people. He was targeting a certain type of person and he had a certain type of agenda. He was from the ACLU and he was trying to get some things signed that, that I am vehemently opposed against. And I looked at him and he said, sir, I'm from the ACLU. I said, yeah, how you doing? He said, I really want to talk to you. I said, you, you're welcome to talk to me. And he said, he said, we're trying to get this done to sign this petition because this big world event I'm not going to even say it. you know what it is has happened and we need to get signatures because we got to protect the rights of a certain type of people and, 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 uh, and, and when we protect women's rights and these things that we got to do that you say yes I said I'm all about protecting human rights he said you are I said yes especially babies so uh, how can I talk to you and he stopped and he stared at me and he was waiting for me to be angry and I said I'm a pastor man I'm pretty sure whatever you want me to sign, I'm, 
I'm not going in good conscience to be able to sign. But I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. And I went down the street because there's a new bakery in town, and my wife was not going to let me live it down if I didn't at least go look for that bakery that she was looking for. She wants me to find it. I didn't find it to her, but I looked it for it so I could say it when I got back. I didn't look for it. I didn't find it. I'm not guilty. I did what you asked me to do. But as I came back, he looked at me, and I think he was waiting for me to say something mean and hateful because I disagreed with him, and he was waiting for me to drop the ball. And he, so he, he did this number that we do. Don't make eye contact. Look straight ahead. I I walked right around in front of him. I said, hey, how you doing, man? I just want to let you know I want you to have a blessed day now, and you take care. And I walked away, and that actually blew his mind. Why? Because it acted the opposite of what people think we would act. I am reminded of a story of Mother Teresa. Mother Teresa went in to get some of her children in Calcutta to get them some food. And the story goes that Mother Teresa went into the place and she asked because their children were starving to a storekeeper that did not like her, to a storekeeper that actually hated her. And she held out her hands and she said, will you please give me some food for my children? And he said, I'll give you something. And he hocked up and he spit in her hand. Mother Teresa looked at him, and she looked at him, and you would think most of us know as soon as we heard those words. We already know our hands are lifted up, and they're not holding hands, but Mother Teresa looked at him and said, I thank you for what you've given me, but could you please give something to my children? And he was so taken back by her meekness that he gave her food. Are you strong enough to put your flesh and your will to death? Are you strong enough to love people when you want to get back at them? Are you strong enough to pray for the people you want to curse at? Are you strong enough to help the people that you can't stand? Because if you are, you are saved and you will inherit the earth. Meekness is vastly different from submitting our will to God's will. You can feel your flesh when you submit. And those who can adjust their will to God's will will find they will walk in the blessings that God has aligned. As we get ready to leave, I want you to see something today. Let's read that together. And if you want those power principles, you know we'll send them to them. Let's read that together. What does it say? Those who can adjust their will to God's will will find they will walk in the blessings God has aligned. Following Christ is not for the meek. It is not. It is for the meek. It is not for the faint of heart because it requires a crucifixion of the flesh. Submitting to God may seem weak to the world and the weak thing to do, but however, the end result will end in victory. How do you know that, Pastor? Prove it to me as we get ready to close. Pull up Revelation chapter 1, verse uh, 1 through 7. Revelation 21, 1 through 7. We're going to read this and we're going to close together. What does it say? Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be their God. 
He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. This is the good part. And he who has seated on the throne says, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, and the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give the spring of water of life without payment. To the one who conquers will have this heritage. I will be his God, and he will be my son. If you can become meek, if you can crucify your flesh. See, the problem is we've fallen in love with this world. And the Bible says, love not this world, nor the things in this world. For these things flow from it, the lusts of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Turn I'm not interested in loving this world. This world that produces earthquakes and acid rain. I'm I'm not, I'm not interested in inheriting an earth that has fault lines and geysers and all sorts of seismic events. I'm not interested in inheriting this world that has floods. I'm not interested in this world that has Ebola and, and, and coronavirus and monkeypox and everything else. I'm not interested in inheriting a world that has everything that the world has to give. But the Bible says in John Revelation, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth. That's the one I want to inherit. I want to trust in Jesus. I want to inherit the new life that he has for me. I want to walk on streets of gold. That's why I put my flesh and myself to death and I am crucified with Christ. I'm not worried about inheriting this world that perishes. I'm worried about inheriting an earth that shall never pass away. Paul said it this way, when this corruptible flesh shall put on incorruption and this immortal, this mortal flesh shall put on immortality, I'm waiting for a day when the wicked will cease from troubling and the weary will be at rest. Dave, don't fall in love with this world. This world only loves the people that love them back. This earth only loves people that it can do something for them. God loved me so much, I'm so glad that he didn't leave me a, an inheritance with diminishing returns. I'm not trying to love this world. If you take something from me on this world, I'm not really concerned about it. You know why? Because it's going to burn up one day. The inheritance I'm trying to build is a city that's not made by the hands of man. And if you want that world today, If your heart is built towards Christ, I'm going to challenge you today. I am challenging you to be bold enough to say, God, I want more of you. I don't want to inherit this earth. I want to inherit the earth to come. 
I'm thankful for the stuff that you give me down here, but it will perish. I'm looking at the bigger picture and I'm looking at more than just stuff that will burn and di diminishing returns and money that gets eaten up with inflation and foods getting higher. I heard Revelation say that when you get to heaven, those that didn't live in the city, there's a tree in the city. You don't have to get hungry because there's a tree that's made for free and it's made for the healing of the nations and you can hear it and there's healing you don't even need a sun sister Bernice there's no sun in the new heaven in the new earth the solar system doesn't need it you know why because the Bible said that the glory of God will light the city the Bible says also Turhan, that there was no more sea we don't have to worry about boats anymore you know why we don't have to worry about that you need the you need the space for the city because the new Jerusalem the dimensions of the new Jerusalem go from New York to about halfway to California that's how wide it is and it's the same as tall and it's the same as why God doesn't need the sea the Bible says underneath the throne of God there flows a river If you've fallen in love with this world, I have a simple message for you. You're selling yourself too short. No eye has seen. No ear has heard. Neither has it entered into the hearts of men what God has prepared. I don't want what man has prepared, Sister Barbara. Man prepares what he likes. He might not know what I need, but God has prepared for those who as we stand today and the prayer team comes forward and brother Dave comes forward if you need something from God today you can come Jesus Jesus how